Welcome to Inside the House podcast, episode nine. Today we're here with Frankie Johnson. Hi. And uh, we are going off topic slightly from our normal one, talking about Generation uh, Z. So please follow us on social media, uh, on Instagram, and obviously subscribe on YouTube. Frankie, do you introduce yourself for us so that we have information about you? My name's Frankie Johnson, and I inspire and educate business leaders to embrace the changes of future generations. So what on earth does that mean? (laughs) I've been studying Generation Z for around three years now, and I have noticed huge barriers between Generation Z expectation and current workplace practice. And now I educate leaders in attracting, retaining, engaging, and training the younger generations. Yeah, so I I heard some of your little speeches online on LinkedIn, actually, and that's why I found you. And for me, I think it's very interesting that we as a business and many other businesses Mm -hmm. are having exactly the same problems of what you're talking about, day-to-day, real-world employment younger people yeah um, and that for me is a it is definitely a, a problem for us in business and I think across our industry as well so it'd be interesting to get some insights from you today um, yeah. so where what, what's your sort of career path where did you start what did you do what did you want to be when you what? were younger when I was younger I always wanted to be an ice skater I started ice skating when I was eight years old and always had a dream of working for Disney on ice touring the world and that was my career set all the way through school Um, I was a bit of a rogue at school, maybe. You know, I always knew I had my skating, so um, I I went through school and went through college and auditioned for Disney on Ice, and I got in. So I went away to America to do a year with them, and when I came back, I'd I'd met my partner before we went away, so we said I'd go away and do a year, and I came back and I realised I'd only ever skated, performed, didn't know what I wanted to do, and I thought, well, I like festivals and events and hospitality and people I'll go and do a degree in events and hospitality management and it was during that degree I really engaged in the concept of employee engagement and decided to write my dissertation on engaging millennials and I soon found out that millennials weren't the fresh meat of the workforce anymore and actually that's generation z yep they're a whole different breed of people, kettle of fish, and it just took me into this into this new career path, which mm. I'm really loving. Yeah, definitely. And you're sort of doing so many different things with so many different hats on with what you're doing with obviously podcasts and your speaking as well, which I thought was very, very good. Yeah. So so why didn't why isn't there a career path to you, say fifty years old within the skating? Why did you that was my partner because we met and yeah. um, before we went away I'd said you know I need a year otherwise yeah. I'll I'll kick myself when I'm older yeah. I don't want to break up and resent you you know yeah, yeah, so we'll I'll go away and we'll see if we're still together and if we're still together I'll come off the road okay, and so cool. I did and then I figured I have no idea what I want to do <laughs> with my life because I've only ever been a performer yeah. and you couldn't be a skating teacher I, I suppose you could, yeah. but it's a lot of 4.30 a.m. starts. Okay. Um, so and I just, it wasn't really my lifestyle. Okay, cool. Yeah. Perfect. So um, what is the what is Generation Z? We should tell people what Generation Z is. Generation Z is anyone born between 1995 and 2010. Mm. So there's a huge misperception that anybody born around the 2000s or anybody under 30 must be a millennial. But um, that's not true. Okay. Millennials are nearly 40 and stepping up to leadership roles and Generation Z are sort of anybody under 24. So they're coming up to the workforce now and everybody thinks, oh, we can't retain these millennials, you know, all these millennials are so self-entitled and actually talking about Generation Z because they're the the digital natives with 
higher expectations than all of us. Yeah. And so, so what would be, you know, obviously you did a dissertation on it, but what would be some of the, the, the big contrasting differences you, you found between Generation Z and Millennials? A lot of it is to do with the technology. Okay. Um, so we can now work anytime, anywhere, with any device. And I think, you know, an app can change the world overnight, but mindsets don't change that quickly. So we get stuck um, in this generation, and it's a lot to do with the digital world. They want to work flexibly. Um, they want quick progression, things like that. They're not just going into a job for stability anymore. It's this stability visa fulfillment, and I want to live my best life. Um, th there's so many differences be between the two generations, and it's about understanding them, being curious about them, trying to adopt characteristics of younger generations because they work more quicker, efficient than our traditional ways of working. Yeah. I suppose from an employer's point of view, sometimes it's difficult to manage the different generations within the workplace um, and also the different generations' expectations as well. Yeah. And, you know, you can probably see why certain people would resent them in an organisation if mm -hmm. they're working quicker and they're more and they can work from home or they want to work from home mm. how do you how do you manage that from an employer that that's a that's a difficult one sometimes yeah. especially today in today's workplace when you're mixing them i think if you had a whole bunch of generation z in one room mm -hmm. that's fine because you could probably manage them all and, and look after them all but when you're blending them too because they're so contrastingly different that causes complications it can do but generations are the most hyper custom generation ever they're <coughs> so personalized you know they personalize their playlist their shopping list everything and when we get to the, with the workforce we need to treat every generation every person personalized as well and with the the challenges with the multi-generational differences or characteristics Generation Z don't necessarily have any new expectations they just have higher expectations so pay and salary career uh, progression supportive management all these things they're not new things they're just now expected yep. but if we try and deliver to the highest expectations of our workforce then we're always going to exceed the expectation of older generations as well yep. so that's how we tackle that we okay. we um engage every everyone you yep. know we, we we apply initiatives to everyone and that will make everybody happy yeah true i think sometimes they, sometimes it can be difficult with uh, the, the younger ones we've got a few in the business mm -hmm. and uh they tend to find i think you're right some of the things like fa fast progression mm -hmm. that's certainly something that's very apparent they seem to want to do it within six months yes whereas someone would have taken maybe two to three years prior yeah. and that and that's a contrasting difference yeah and that, definitely. there's not always that amount of positions within businesses certainly smaller businesses to say okay yeah we can progress you at that that rate mm -hmm. so you do naturally have a, a, a you know staff turnover will change a lot quicker yeah. because you can't continually promote someone that at that speed unless you're a very big organization yeah definitely and we've seen stats millennials generation z might have up to eight to ten careers in their lifetime yep. because of that reason but if you want to retain top talent then it's you have to pull people in you have to sit them down and say what do you want out of this job you know one person might say well i work five minutes around the corner and i value that it's close to home and somebody might say i want to be where you are in five years mm -hmm. so we have to treat those people differently and we have to say okay 
let's figure out a career growth plan for you and where you can go. And if you want more responsibility, but there isn't necessarily available, let's find your responsibility. And there's so many responsibilities, you know, to do with social media, to do with business growth, outreach. There's there's lots of response, extra responsibilities and careers that we can create. But this need for career progression, we've is education accessibility. You know, Generation Z, they've, they've started at GCSE, they did a couple of years GCSE. It's very tailored. They've tailored from GCSE. Then they go into their A-levels. Then they go into university and it's like seven years, bam, bam, bam. It's so quick. Yeah. And then they come into the workplace and it's dead-end job yeah. for so. the rest of their life. <clears throat> yeah. And I have friends who are teachers who are 24 and they're done. They're mm. done. They want to either move up to head teacher or move on to another career. And they've only just started. Yeah. So, so what sort of things do you think have influenced this? Obviously, you've covered a few already, but what are the major influences that have changed their, their, their way they're thinking, their drive of how they're actually... Is it the technology that's actually changed the hardware of how they're thinking? The technology else? is one of the most dominant um, influences, yes, of course. Millennials, people think the millennials are the digital natives, but... Generation Z are the true digital natives. If you think of it like this, generations they were born 1995, that's their birth, right? And social media went sort of mainstream around 2007, which would put Generation Z born 1995 at 12 years old. Yep. And 12 years old is the beginning of your critical cognitive development stage. So we're hitting, you know, 12 year olds in school, all this social media. And then it changes a person, mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. So we have technology, social media, uh, education accessibility, the economic recession shared globally. You know, generations have watched their parents' businesses and lose houses overnight, um, and they're very aware that they do need stability as well. Um, we've also got the rise of terrorism that sort of shaped Generation Z. Anybody born after 95 can't necessarily process the impact that 9-11 had on the world mm -hmm. as anyone born before. So they've grown up with the rise of terrorism, not really knowing any different. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, we That would make a big difference, I suppose. But also things like that with the, the technology, um, I suppose if you think about the speed of technology when I was a kid, I'm just thinking about, about speed again. Mm. Um, you know, the computers would take to wait for them to start up. Nowadays with modern computers or phones, they're on instantly so pretty great. much. You know, and then you try and do or save a document and you wait for it to spin. Mm -hmm. And now everything's instantaneous. And with social media flicking continuously, it's instantaneous, it's almost unlimited. Uh, with YouTube, video is instantaneous, unlimited. So yeah. I suppose you can kind of see where, you know, that expectation of not having to wait anymore absolutely kind of gone um, yeah that's to me technology in the workplace is massive demotivator yeah. we have this famous eight second attention span that generation said have which millennials wasn't on average 16 second attention span so we've halved our attention and if that halves again you know we have a four second attention span and a two second attention span yeah. um, and and is that if the web page is loading and it takes longer than eight seconds they've clicked off it they've done they've yeah. gone already so I think because obviously I run an e-commerce website and we always talk about how many seconds people will click on and click off a site mm -hmm. from a sales perspective. Yeah. And we always look at, say, oh, I think the average is anything less than four, anything more than four seconds and you're going to lose a huge amount of your traffic. And, uh, you know, with Generation Z, they're saying in 2020 is going to be make up about 40% of the customers in the e-commerce e yeah. um, and all, cost, all customers, I suppose. But... Um, you know, that, that time of four seconds for a web page is going to have to get down to, like, 
maybe less than two. It needs otherwise, to be instant. Otherwise, it's going to be nearly instant. Otherwise, it's going to, they're going to just click off because they're going to be bored. It needs to be instant or there needs to be something else available to distract them yeah, at that time. Yeah, yeah something to distract them, yeah. That's true. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so, so we're talking about social media just briefly as well. We touched on that a minute ago. Um, you know, social media, how's that influencing Generation Z from a point of view of, like, um, how they're feeling, you know, mental health sides of it, um, problems of bullying maybe on mm. social media it's what, such a big topic isn't it yeah what's your thoughts on that um i think that we haven't had a generation experience the intensity of social media like this yet mm. so i think generation z are having a really hard time in school f- that we are finding the devil of social media first yeah. and i think it will take for generation z to come into their adulthood to be able to train the next generation in digital health okay. because we don't necessarily have we're not trained in digital health um there's courses online to be trained in digital health, but social media, there's a huge positivity community on social media. And it's social media isn't the problem. What we type in is the problem. You know, I think people forget, because the internet is such a big part of our lives now, people forget that the internet doesn't have a brain and a heart and feelings. It works on algorithms. So if you're typing in six foot one models in Australia, that's what the internet's going to give you. And yep. then... So many, you know, six foot one models in Australia is going to make you feel a bit yeah. frumpy after a while, well, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course yeah. it is. Yeah. But I had a bit of a social media detox and it wasn't a case of come off it. It was if I see something on my feed that doesn't inspire me, doesn't motivate me, actually makes me feel negative about myself, I unfollow it. I get rid of it. And I worked on my own fulfillment and things that do inspire and motivate me. And now I can follow all those six from what foot six foot one models back in Australia and I can be happy for them because I'm fulfilling my life and they're fulfilling theirs. Yep. But when you're when you're lost and you're not sure where your fulfillment is and you're following all these people who are fulfilled, then you do start to get mental health am i not on the right path i'm not moving quick enough we're not just competing with somebody in our class anymore or our club we're competing with the best person yeah online in the, in, in the world yeah in the world competition yeah, yeah, yeah. is so yeah. much more people are so aware of the options out there they're so aware of the competitions and it's understanding what to do with them mm. and that's something that i think the education system probably needs to be kept up with yep um, because I noticed that some older generations, they can't even say social media without without it being... It's like it's not a part of our world. <laughs> they go, oh, well. social media, yeah, oh, social media, like it's yeah. like it shouldn't be talked about. Yeah. But it's like it's making our world go round, yeah. and especially for the young people. And I think it, it is causing problems for mental health, but it's not the problem. Mm. It's just part of the problem. Yeah. But actually, it could... It could also be a, a medicine, if you like, and take the problem away. But we need that's up to us. Someone's got to teach it to do that. Yeah. When you mentioned um, a sort of like digital health, is that mm. what you called it? Coined it digital, digital health. health. Never heard of it till today. So that's interesting. Um, and I did recently listen to um, uh, another podcast. They mentioned that uh, there was a company in the states uh, to do with mental health trying to actually use AI technology mm-hmm. to actually understand where um, people have unfortunately committed suicide, children have committed suicide mm-hmm. in America, and they're actually using the um, AI to try and work out where the, the, any any differences on their social media interaction. Yeah has been able to blueprint it and say, hey, do you know what, if it follows this pattern, mm-hmm. it can flag a warning for parents yeah, wow. to say, actually, you know, um, I know, all these 
So that's, that's an algorithm worth using. It's an algorithm. Using. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. So but it takes people of a certain position to want to do that and yeah. get to that stage. Like you say, I think as maybe Generation Z get through the work phase, find leadership roles, they can then go back and influence the, the health online from, yeah. from a social media point of view. Absolutely. And uh, they don't necessarily realise... They don't understand the world without social media, mm -hmm. do they? So... I remember when I left school, I thought every CEO and every business owner had it together. When, in fact, nobody has it together and everybody's, you know, winging it as they go. And Generation Z, I don't want them to come out of school and think everyone's got it together and that they're going to get looked after because yeah. they're not. They're very much in the world by themselves, dealing with this by themselves. And if they go down dark paths... Mm -hmm there's not necessarily that team there to support them. Yeah. I really do think it's gonna take them to step up and say, hang on a minute, I went through this. I don't want you to have to go through that. Mm -hmm. I suppose you, you look at it on a bigger, it's like a bigger scale. I think if you was in school, say, well, I was a bit older, so I'm pre-millennial just, I found out today, and otherwise on the way here. Um, but the, um, if you look at it before, you know, there may have been one or two bad eggs at school who caused the bullying, may have been the bad people, does that make sense, within mm -hmm. the school? Mm -hmm. um, well, they could influence only a small amount of people. But now with social media, they can expand. And you, know, you talk about terrorism earlier, that's the same sort of thing. Whereas before, it would have been quite difficult to do what could be done today in the speed of social media and, mm -hmm. and influencing people. Um, you know, in a, in a local community, it's been quite difficult to do it at that scale. Whereas today, you know, you get one person, someone falls on a path, they then see the social media, can get influenced even more, and then they become indoctrinated in this, this feeling and... Um, in terrorism or whatever it may be. Definitely. But that can happen locally with bullying or bullies and in all different areas. And tr trolling's horrendous. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, we have too many nice people that say, okay, well, come off social media because that's no good for me, when in fact it's those people that we need on social media to yeah. spread the love a little bit more. Yeah. Um, bullying's always going to be there, isn't it? There's always going to be the bullies. I hope that the positivity community grows, which it is. Yeah. Um, and we can continue to combat that and help combat that, but I don't have a solution to <laughs> end bullying, no. No, and fake versus uh, real, I think that's something that's, that's again, in the media yesterday, I think, and in, in today in the news, they're talking about, you know, people are trying to get any of these fake videos and fake things stopped, but also that's people making fake videos and, and fake broadcasts, but also you've got people on social media faking it, you know, and you say about people looking at the, the best in the world, mm -hmm. well, they're looking on social media what they think is the best in the world, but that could be fake. It, well, so yeah, even absolutely. more pressure, you know, people going around hiring a, a Ferrari and saying, hey, this is my car, look at my house, parking house on the house. Yeah. It's not even their house, it's not even their car, the car you yeah. know, and, and this sort of stuff goes on. And when I first heard about it, I was thinking, really, who would go to that extreme? But it does actually happen. Yeah, of course it does. Um, and I don't think the media has necessarily changed. The media has always lied, hasn't it? The media yeah, has true, always yeah. been fake in the paper. Yep. It's just more intense and it's more on your face because you choose to go out and get a paper where it was on your phone. Okay, yeah, you choose to have your feeds, but it's it's so much more easily accessible, all mm -hmm. this fake news coming to you. Um, but I think the world's slowly getting exposed. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people coming out and saying the right things, exposing the fake news. Yep. And it seems like it's getting all out of control. And I think it has to, yep. to, to kind of come back together. But And this is another thing of digital health. The kids need to be told what's fake, yeah. what's real. Yeah. But then again, on the other side of this, with employee engagement particularly, People are thinking it's not real, but 
they want it to be real, to be happy. Okay, so let's make it real. Mm -hmm. Let's create this fun culture that we all see on social media that we so long for, that the grass is greener. Yep. Let's create that green grass and, you know, invite people in and make people happy. And then it becomes real. It doesn't have to be fake so much. No. So one, one of the companies I've always wanted to work for is uh, Innocent Drinks. I was thinking, have you ever followed their social media? No. That's amazing. It's the fun. It's, it sounds like, from a marketing point of view, it sounds like the most fun marketing place in the world. Mm -hmm. There's the stuff they put out, the content's hilarious. And again, it's engaging, but it's also so fun. Mm -hmm. It makes you want to work for them, you know, because they, exactly. they're so much fun. So You've nailed good. it. Yeah, they, they've pretty much nailed that. That's good. Frankie, what do you feel is the majority of mental health issues nowadays? I think there's a lot of different um, aspects, elements that cause mental health. I think that you know, globalization and having a lot more options and choices and we don't know how to sort of cleanse ourselves is, is a huge part of that. But the world has seen a huge shift from affluence to influence. And to give you some perspective on this, at a point in time, Oxfam reported that the 85 richest people in the world own the same equivalent wealth to the 3.5 billion poorest people. And what this meant for media was... Pay, to earn media, you paid for it. It was in a newspaper, it was on a TV advertisement, it was a, you know on a bulletin board, you, you paid for it. And that was an affluent world. And for the most part, you know how Maslow's hierarchy, so we fulfill our basic and psychological needs before we feel the need to fulfill our self-esteem and self-actualization. And in an affluent world, that worked okay because generally when you're paying for media you've already got your house your family you know you you've got your basic and psychological needs fulfilled but then we see a shift to an influent world this is when anybody anywhere has access to technology you don't have to pay for media anymore you can film your own video you can get you can influence from your, your bedroom for absolutely nothing yeah. um and now we have influencers coming out anybody can can influence anything and we have so many more opinions options competition choices and in this influent world i see people reaching for the, the self-actualization and self-esteem and this might be you know how many likes that you've got how many followers you've got and you could have a hundred thousand followers and you could be so self-actualized but you haven't got your basic and psychological needs fulfilled Yep. And that becomes very, very, very confusing. And I really believe this is where we start seeing the suicides from things like Love Island. Yep. Because they're so <clears throat> self-actualized, they've got such high self-esteem, but their most basic needs aren't fulfilled. And I think from when you're growing up in education, this is something that we need to be taught. We need to have these psychological and basic needs fulfilled before we go onto that self-actualization because that, I think it ruins you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you look at some of the celebrities who've gone bust, basically, or personally, you know, you, you can see straight away they haven't really got themselves sorted, maybe. They've maybe gone down the road of, of chasing, you know, um, social, they may have bought too many things, bought things they can't afford, haven't got the basic things in because they're trying to chase, you know, a, a, a vision of themselves that they either themselves don't know who they really are and they've got lots of people following them, influencing them. Yeah. They're buying nice handbags or shoes or cars or whatever it may be. And they're trying to live up to everybody else's yeah, expectation yeah, all the time and it's <coughs> you know my cousin told me a couple of years ago frankie you, ha you have to be your number one because once you're number one then everything else will fall into place yeah. 
and yeah. you have to look after yourself. And in the world that we live in now, it's so important that you give yourself that work-life balance, you know, that you, or work-school balance or whatever, whatever it is and take time for yourself to look after your mental health and make sure it's okay. And I think more and more people are talking about mental health now and yeah. it's becoming easier to talk about. You can talk to peers and and it's getting better. Yep. Yeah. And I think people think it's getting worse, but I think it's just that you were ignorant to the problem before. The yeah. problem's always been there. Yeah. The pressures of the problem are getting worse, but I think it's great that we're all talking. Yeah, it's a bit like you know, if you look at the news years ago, well, you chat to your parents and you think, so they said, oh yeah, there's never all these stabbings in my day, and I said they probably were. They were. They just they didn't know they weren't broadcast and they yeah. weren't out there, and now exactly. it's very much more in the media and very much more on point. But you seem like you've really got yourself very much. You're in the right sp space in yourself. You know, yeah. you come across as if you've got everything nailed down. You know what you want to do. You know what you want to be. But there must have been stages Simple. where you didn't have that. Oh yeah. You know, and they they can be some darker days as well. You know, when you're thinking, what you know, what they say probably when you came back, I'm guessing from your skating, what did you want to do? Are they, they, are they days where they were harder and darker for you? Yeah, I mean, I was never worried because I knew I was young and I knew that I had drive and ambition and I knew that I was never going to settle for anything less than I deserved or wanted. Yeah. Um, and I've always been really chill back, chill, laid back, chilled out. So that was okay. Then in the second year of uni, I lost my dad. And then that really knocked me yeah, for a few years. And I'm only really just coming out of that now strength. Um, that really, really knocked me. But during that time, I, I've been to the deepest, darkest corners of my mind. I've done the whole mental health thing. I've done the counseling. Um, and I've read so many mind management books. You know, I'm not just, I'm not together. Yeah. I've done a hell of a lot of work to understand my mind and how I cope with things yeah. and... It all comes down to being a nice person, really, you know. You've put the effort in. It's like anything in life, isn't it? You know, if, if you didn't put the effort in, then you wouldn't be in the in the situation you are today. A strong person, got an idea of what you want to do, what you want to do, what you want to change, what difference yeah. you want to make. Whereas if you'd have sat there in them darker days and, and not maybe found that path to try and say, do you know, I want to keep motivated, I want to keep pushing forward, mm. and I want to go and read the book and find out what's going on, and I want to try and get my head sorted. You know, if you didn't put the effort in, you, know, you wouldn't be here today probably. I don't you know? know where I'd be today, yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, and, that, and that's... The, and that's, that's obviously very good of you to do that but also it's the fact that you know sometimes people can't always find that they might need a bit of assistance and you may have someone around you that could have been that rock to help you but then equally yeah. if you haven't got that then it's, it's difficult people do fall off the path very easily yeah and yeah. i think the start of bouncing back is rock bottom yeah because you can go for so long feeling sorry for yourself and that you know you, you're broken and you're never going to fix but you have to reach rock bottom and realize i don't want to live my life like this mm -hmm. life's far too short yeah i need to do something with it and then once you've got the seed that you want to change your life then you can go to counseling and then you can put the effort in to change it and i've watched so many videos books all sorts of things on how to be mentally healthy yeah yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's to really come good. back. So just uh, talk about pressures of, uh, of life and also social media pressures. But if, if social media carries on as it is today, what you know, what's the future of the, the social media pressures going forward? I think there could be potentially a lot of miserable people. Yeah. However, like I said before, with the positivity community on social media, I think more and more people will become part of those communities. And I think when Gen Z step into adulthood and have their own children, they will make sure they're part of that positivity community. Okay. Yep. Yeah. 
it's going to make a make a bit of a difference. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> But it's funny because you think that it'd be the next generation, but it's not always. Um, I mean, when Facebook came out, it was predominantly millennials on Facebook. And then millennials told mum about Facebook, and then they told grandma about Facebook. And, you know, what's worse, grandma's commenting on Facebook and millennials come off. So actually, you know, we think a lot of the problems are with the younger generations when actually the older generations have some of the highest growing demographic in social media and um, I think it was a, a Gary V video that told us the the fast the highest growing um, sector on YouTube is old for selfies posting selfies is older women really? between sort of 40s and 50s yeah they're, wow. the, they're the ones who are posting selfies mm. more I suppose they found the uh, setting on the camera now I'll <laughs> yeah, turn it around wow I can now do a selfie I didn't realise yeah. that up until then they've probably been turning the phone around and trying to push the button but. yeah but this is what happens <laughs> the younger ones go mum look at this and then mum's on there and then they're yeah, like oh yeah, sack yeah. Out. you know I'm out yeah, of here and Gen Z they take to uh, Snapchat and Instagram Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what happens there well I was going to ask you about that, actually so, so first what is the next uh, generation after Gen Z, or what's what's due to happen next? So, what's due to happen? Yeah. <laughs> they're going to get there soon, aren't they? You yeah, know, I love it. If you think the uh, the age category, they're, they're, they're out there. They're, they're already they're, around. They're there, but what are they? What are we labelling them as? Because we love using labels. So, so generations <laughs> on um, defined by birth years. They're defined by significant events that happen at critical cognitive development stages that shape a generation. So at the moment, we have our generations by birth years sort of every 15 years, and that's because we've had big events really reoccurring every 15 years. So after 2010, some media have labelled the next generation alphas. And then I read a book, and I actually really prefer this theory, is that because of increasing work-life expectancy and because of rapid technological advancements, we could potentially see generations shorten to only four or five years long, which means by 2080, we could experience up to 10 to 15 generational differences in the workplace at once. And in a world where generations are only four years long, that's a case of not labeling generations, but yeah. a case of adopting efficient change and keeping up to date with the newest generations coming through. Because what we tend to be really good at, especially in HR and employee engagement, we have really reactive strategies. We tend to wait for the workplace to get there. They're disengaged and demotivated. Staff's retention is high. And then we realize, oh, you know, we can't be spending an average £30,000 a, a staff. What do we need to do to engage them? And we implement strategies far too late. And then we've got the next generation coming through. We've lost them by then. We've yeah. lost them. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is such a shame because then we have a whole generation of 15, 20 years sat there demotivated in the workplace. And I think that's very much what's happened to millennials. I think yeah. we've failed millennials, really. We've not allowed them to explore the digital world as much as they would have liked to because they've had the baby baby boomer parents that are very loyal and hard working and just said no you know stay under the line don't <laughs> don't put your head above the parapet yep um yeah okay cool I, I think from that point of view as well with technology what's going to be the next and you're you know, you're obviously in your opinion we don't know yet but what's your next sort of technology obviously snapchat today is the is a big social platform mm -hmm. Yeah, what's what do you think's next? What's your we have TikTok coming up, don't we? I yes. saw TikTok a, a year or two ago, um, and I downloaded it, and th I honestly thought it was going to be a phase. I thought it was going to be a bit of a Pixo type thing yep. when I was in school, but 
No, there's a lot of uses of TikTok and it's teaching kids to make videos. Mm-hmm. We're teaching kids to make creative videos. We're, Facebook are now, or maybe next year, releasing algorithms. So mm-hmm. everyone will be able to see why they are seeing the posts that they're seeing, which I think is brilliant. So the next generation will potentially understand algorithms. Yep. Um, we obviously have our AI, our VR, our 3D printing. Yep. It's a world that the kids can't remember a time before you couldn't see somebody through a phone. You know, a dial tone is like, ah, yeah, yeah. what's, what's this noise to yeah. me? Or what's this phone that spins around? Have yeah. you seen that video on YouTube with the lads that try and work the phone? They, they don't, they no, don't know how to do it. Don't, don't spin it around. They don't know how to do it. Yeah. So <laughs> if you're thinking, you know, how are these generations so different? Look at videos of them trying to use your technology because they can't do it. They, they live in, in a different world. Yeah. We, we did, uh, we talked about in the car, me and Freddie this morning on the way up here, uh, to think about, uh, I'm going to show my little boy, he's four years old, uh, five next week, and uh, I'm going to show him uh, some cartoons of my day, like a bat think, and uh, things like that, just to see if he thinks they're still engaging as uh, Fireman Sam is, but we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, does we'll, he? Uh, does he? Don't know yet. We'll don't find know out. yet. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll find out. Well, he's alpha, yeah. Yeah, so he'll be in that sort Do of Do you way. find the differences? with him at home like well I I say to Freddie I, I, I always think to myself that I'm um, of a younger generation mm-hmm. so uh, because I'm more technology savvy than most yeah. people even of my age group in fact people younger than me uh, so I tend to know most things going on so I'm of the opinion that he needs to know everything he's got to have a good ethic behind him mm-hmm. he's got to have a work you know you've got to work part of your life you can't have this thing where you can just go off and just just bum around basically mm-hmm. so you've got to have a work ethic and a discipline and make sure he's got the right manners and stuff like that so they're, they're core things that everyone should be taught at a very yes. young age I think if you've got them from a young age and you should be okay going forward mm-hmm. but then from a technologist point of view I'm not scared of him having anything so he's got his own laptop mm-hmm. he uses it now he's got a Chromebook he uses it it's got all the parent controls on it because I obviously want to keep it safe you know got a, a duty to look after make sure he's safe and not looking dodgy but you know he has a, his own laptop he goes in he gets up in the morning the other day I was working he gets his laptop out he logs in himself he's got the yeah, password brilliant. on it He's, I say he's four years old, turning five next week. He sits in there, goes on his maths, does his maths homework on it, yeah. prints off his certificates to the printer upstairs. He can't reach the printer upstairs, but he can, he can print them off. Um, you know, he's, he's that age. Yeah. He can use my phone, he can get into my phone. He doesn't understand why it doesn't recognise him when he looks into it because it's face recognition. <laughs> yeah. But he just waits for it to ping up and then he can just put the pin number in. He knows everything. They're 100 mile an hour. So I, I get that 100%. Um, but then from my point of view as a father, it's like scary because mm. what's going to happen if we don't, like you say, if things aren't fixed and schools don't t- teach, which I thought was a great expression about the you know the, the health online, you've got to have digital health going forward. And I think, you know, that's a good point curriculum should probably adopt something to say do you know what not everything you see in the world's real you know we we should teach people that anyway to be fair Mm, i think it's um emotional intelligence Mm. that we need to be taught because we're living in this world of digitalization and machines um, and objects with personalities that don't have emotion and we need to become a much more emotionally intelligent human race because that's one thing that we have that robots don't have yeah yeah, well, I, I'd be interested to see if we have phones when he's 18. I would imagine they'd be gone by then. Um, you know, yeah, I think, I think the I think next screens. generation of phones are the see-through ones, right? So it's just like a piece of glass, yeah, which when you smash, I have no idea. Yeah, you've got that. <laughs> and I also think you've got things like they've, they've already adopted, um, uh, you know, uh, contact lenses with screens in them. So, you know, you can imagine basically you could have a, you know, embedded under your skin technically and you could just be on a HUD display within your contact lens mm. how distracting that would be I don't know but you know that's probably a bit too future yet but you know I these concepts are there 
I think we'll see a lot of devils of it. Yeah. A lot of devils of technology. I was saying to somebody the other day, I want a microchip in my hand because I'm really interested in keeping up with all this new technology. And I said, I want to get a microchip so I can have all my passport details and my bank details and everything on it. So what on earth would you want to do that for? Because if somebody walks past you on a train with a you know a hacking system, yeah. they've got all your details, they've got everything. Yeah. So I think we're going to see the devil of all this technology. We're going to experience the bugs to be able to... Make it Stop better for them. their age. Yeah. <laughs> and what's also interesting is I think in the future there'll be a lot less street crime because of facial recognition, things like this. However, hackers are going to get cleverer. Yeah, 100%. Gen a- Z might get <laughs> to work and think, there's no career progression, I'm not getting paid anything. I'm going to be a hacker somebody. because yeah, I know yeah. how to do it. Yeah, so there's definitely. going to be more cyber... Um, Crime. Digital crime. Yeah, yeah. for sure. We see it now. So the, the, with our business, we, you know, we have a lot of fraud um, orders come through. Yeah. And the criminals are becoming cleverer and cleverer. Yeah. There's some big changes coming out this year to do with um, credit card payments, how they, they are taken. But that will only see a certain amount of the that fraud go away because if these guys can basically get into your... or manipulate you to get into your account, mm-hmm. then they can still get into your account. And once they can. get into your account, they can still override all the new European laws that's, that's coming out in September this year. Mm-hmm. Um which was supposed to stop most of it, but they're mm. already getting around it now. So we've mm. seen recently in the last few months, the criminals are actually, you know, your 3D secure um, login page you get for your bank. They're now tricking you to give you details. So then when they can now replicate you going into a 3D secure account. So yeah. that sort of cyber crime is becoming more, but, you know. We need to be educated, isn't it? Yeah, that's education. Don't click on an email, something mm. like that. But never mind, it will. I'm sure it'll all get itself sorted. So just quickly, um, a few other little things. You know, what, what sort of influ- influences inspires you? Where, where do you look for influence and inspiration? I watch a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of TED Talks. I tend to just leave them rolling in the background with the TED Talks. I think they're great. Um, my influences, Simon Sinek, mm-hmm. Gary Vee, Oprah Winfrey, of course. Um, I love watching a bit of Oprah for inspiration. Um, I, w- I listen to a couple of podcasts, um, Smash the Box particularly. They've got lots of inspirational stories. Yep. Um, who else? Oh, have you read um, The Chimp Paradox? No. Oh, it's a mind management book. Um, Professor Steve Peters, I believe. Um, brilliant, brilliant book. So I have a, f- a few influences. Seth Godin, another yep. one. All the big ones on LinkedIn, in yep. YouTube, yeah. yeah. So I, I like I listened to Gary Vee for quite some time, mm. um, but he, by his own admission, says that he just repeats the same stuff over and over mm-hmm. again. So after a while, it does get... No, not boring, but it's initially you want to remind yourself of what he says. So he does go down the road of having the same thing over and over mm-hmm. again. And it's quite nice to have refreshing new ideas from different people's perspective. Yeah, it's he's got a really good model. And yeah, not everyone can have that model because he has this whole team of content creation. Yeah, content's huge for him. And yeah. the speed at which he puts it out as well, you know, now... That's because of his team. Yeah, yeah, but that makes that allows him to be able to put it out so fast. It's, yeah, it's really yeah, good. absolutely. And um, so any other, book, any other books you've read? Anything else apart from that? Um, my favourite book for Gen Z is... The Gen Z effect like I would recommend every business owner gets that book because it's not just about Gen Z it's about everything that comes after you know it's about our introduction to the digital post-generational world and um, that's the Gen Z effect by yep. Thomas Kalopoulos and Dan Kelston and um, we also have Gen Z at work by David and Jonah Stillman that's a really good one to get lots of tips from in the workplace and um, the chimp paradox my favorite one of my favorite books um I've read loads of Expert Secrets, Russell Bronson, another really good one. 
Yeah. There's a lot of reading to catch up on. There. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and just just for anyone listening, where can people, if they want to get in touch with you, where can they find you? They can find me on LinkedIn, Frankie Johnson. I have my website, embracechangetoday.co.uk, or you can email me, frankie at embracechangetoday.co.uk. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you, Frankie, for today. It's been excellent having you on. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Cheers, thank you. Thanks.